Hello everyone, welcome back to Hexed and Heal. I'm that astrologer, Fairly Theta. Have you ever blamed astrology for your problems? Have you chalked up bad behavior to your Aries moon or used your Scorpio Mercury to toss out scathing insults without thinking? What, you can't help it, right? We're not slaves to our stars. I was excited to sit down with fellow astrologer Larimar Creative to talk about the relationship between the law of attraction and astrology and how you can raise your vibration by expressing the higher qualities of your natal chart. What exactly is your background? Like, how did you kind of get started in all of this? So in terms of spirituality, like when I'm looking back my childhood, I think I've been always spiritual in a sense. So for example, like I had a very strong connection to uh, mineral. So I used to bring some rocks that I thought was cute to home. And my mom was, ask, was asking, why did you brought those <laughs> <laughs> the rocks? And then I still have a really strong connection to all types of gemstones. But at the time, I didn't know what they were. And I was fascinated with looking at the night sky and planets and stars. And then like when I was in high school, I first came across astrology. So, so when it comes to astrology, that is the intro, I think. Like, yeah. That's so interesting. Cause like, as you're saying that I can totally imagine my own childhood and it was so similar. Like I totally would bring so many rocks home and like weird leaves. And my mother would just be like, what are you doing with these things? (laughs) (laughs) It's a type for sure. Um, So when you got into astrology, like how did you kind of start to explore that? What were your, you know, main interests there? So in the beginning, I was mainly interested in learning about my personality. Like, are you familiar with MBTI personality type? Yeah, absolutely. So like that, I thought like astrology uh, describes me very well in terms of, you know, there are 12 different houses and all the other planets and signs. So I was just so fascinated with learning about myself. And then I got into the technical details of astrology. It's logical, astrological. So... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> that's a really that's a really interesting like word breakdown there. I've actually never thought of it that way. Oh really? I I personally uh, think of astrology as a language because yes. you know like I to me like planets uh, are acting like a subject and signs are descriptive words. You know aspects are like aspects like demonstrate relationships between different planets. that's so funny because that is exactly how I describe it to like new clients Um, I'm like it's just a different language that we're translating you into like this is your experience written in a totally different way Um, because it it totally is the the you know the sentence structure metaphor is a great one for kind of stringing astrology into what it is and if you think about it I think most spirituality systems are kind of like that yeah. Um, so you really did start by kind of deconstructing yourself with astrology then. So right. like your natal chart was probably like yeah. your real introduction, right? Yes, absolutely. And then like when I was in college, I studied in Berkeley. And in that area, I found it so easy to have access to spiritual stuff like 
there were many crystal stores, herbs and essential oils. And that's when I started diving deeper into different uh, like branches or topics in the, in the spirituality. That's really cool. That's really cool. Um, and I think that's a, a great way of kind of looking at it too, because it really like spirituality really is a holistic system. Like you very rarely are just into one thing. Um, and they all work so well together, which is actually why I'm really glad that we got to sit down and talk because I love your, um, your perspective on higher and lower vibrational patterns of signs and, you know, planets and things like that. Um, because it does tie so well into so many other spirituality systems. So how did you kind of get into that approach? So in the beginning, um, I learned about the traditional astrology and, you know, I'm pretty sure you know that like there are a lot of doom and gloom type of Oh, yeah. (laughs) And I didn't really like that. Uh, But then I started, I, uh, in the meantime, I explored different topics like the law of attraction, you know, the positive, good vibes. So, so I thought the same, like, even if it's not about astrology, we can, uh, we can interpret things in positive or negative ways. It's all about perception. Yeah, after I explored uh, different branches of astrology, I was trying to like come up with the right interpretation uh, that I can personally deeply resonate with. And that's how I came up with the higher vibration or higher expression of certain placement and negative expression. That's, I really like that a lot. And I think it's really interesting because that's always been something I've tried to emphasize. Um, the idea that, you know, everything has a higher and lower expression within it and getting to that higher expression really is the, the goal, the challenge. But, you know, you coming into it from law of attraction, um, I think is a really great place to kind of intersect. I came into the same idea through psychology, specifically like Jungian psychology and shadow work and things like that. So I think it's really a great demonstration of the way that you can arrive at the same point from totally different journeys. Um, What, you know, what's your experience with the law of attraction? So like several years ago, my best friend sent me a link to the YouTube video by Abram Hicks. And that's when I first came across, it's not the very first, but though, uh, I read the book Secret by Londa Londa Bryan a long time ago. So, um, like uh, for the last few years, I started like getting deeper into this concept and really trying to understand how it really works and how can I use it to my benefit. Mm-hmm. So, so that's that's um. I mean, that's, I think, the best part of any sort of, like, practical spirituality. Do you notice a difference in your life since you've actively applied oh, yeah, those concepts? Totally. Yeah, totally. So what, for, so, oh, no, go ahead. Yeah, Sorry. so, for example, like, I, um, I still love setting goals and, like, planning things and uh, taking action accordingly. But sometimes I get, like, caught up with the schedule that I originally, like, I originally created. So, it, 
So sometimes I feel like I got enslaved by my own creation. But then since I started applying the law of attraction, which has a lot of emphasis on feeling good. So it really helped me like totally shift my daily routines and just the overall like emotional satisfaction that I have throughout the days. Because I prioritize my emotions rather than just getting things done or I like that. I like prioritizing emotions. Right. What, um, if you don't mind me asking, what is your sign? My sign. So I'm Libra rising and Aries sun. And my moon is like in the last degree of Leo. So I have both Virgo and Leo quality, I think. Yeah, definitely. Okay. So then if your, I'm sorry, if your uh, son is in Aries, is that seventh house or sixth house? It's seventh house. Okay. Interesting. Okay. Um, I'm I'm a Sagittarius with Virgo rising and Virgo moon. So a whole lot of, you know, when it comes to, you know, the idea, like you said, of of being enslaved to a schedule and plans and things, I totally get that. Right. That's why I was asking if it was seventh house or sixth house, because it does seem like that's a very sixth house kind of place to be um, mm-hmm. in terms of, you know, like really being beholden to the work that you do. Um, and prioritizing feelings can get lost along the way, um, you know, especially with some of that Virgo influence in your moon, too. But um you know, um, so, okay, so if we're thinking about, like, this idea of higher, lower expression, um, what are some of the steps that you took to kind of, you know, get through that process yourself? Have you actively worked at that? Um, so let me take a personal example. So for yeah. example, I have uh, Saturn in the fifth house. And, you know, traditionally, it's considered, like, not so much comfortable placement because Saturn is all about you know, duty, responsibility, whereas fifth house is all about pleasure and joy. So um, instead of like, instead of blocking my creativity, I started to uh, make it work, structural, structuralize my creative process and like trying to uh, take more methodical and responsible ways when it comes to dealing with the matters of the fifth house. If that makes sense. That's a really good example because I feel like Saturn is one of those planets people get really hung up with. Because it can (laughs) absolutely be so restricting and like this gigantic blockage to, you know, whatever it is that it it applies to. I have Saturn in the fourth, so I understand how restricting that can be in terms of like, you know... I have a lot of fourth house placements, so home is a very weird concept to me, and it's in Sagittarius. So, you know, on top of it all, it's very much like, you know, coming to terms with this idea of restriction and freedom all at once in a place that I can be comfortable. I'm very good at restricting my comfort in order to make other people comfortable. Um, And that definitely has been one of the trickiest knots to unwork in my own chart. Um, But I think that no matter where Saturn is in somebody's chart, it tends to be the trickiest thing they have to transcend from the obstacle to the structure. Exactly. But at the same time, I think it gives the best result because it is the most durable and practical and like 
kind of everlasting effects in it. I, I, yeah, I can see that. Well, also, it's, um, it's kind of a later life energy, too, especially if you're going to talk about, like, traditional astrology. There's a lot of literature out there that, um, you know, people with strong Saturn placements have often a difficult time accessing their best qualities until much later in life because of that influence. Um, so that's another reason, especially, like, I think if you're going to start to look at higher, lower expression in your own chart and, you know, try to work through it, Saturn might be a good place to start. I think so. And then I, like, my Saturn return is coming close, like, towards the, this year, like, end of this year and next year. And I'm already, I'm already feeling it's happening. Like, I'm, like, I feel like I'm, I'm becoming much more comfortable dealing with the matters of the fifth house. That's actually, so one of the biggest concerns I get from clients and, you know, people who know what I do, um, Saturn returns are like this big, like ugly word for a lot of people. They're just like, Oh no, Saturn return. What am I going to do? Um, and I think this is actually another really good like way to look at it where it doesn't have to be troublesome. It doesn't have to be terrible. Mm -hmm. Um, it can be an opportunity to kind of stretch out and spread your wings and actually look at how this is manifesting in your life. Right. I really want to help other people uh, shift their perspective around this Saturn return or anything related to Saturn. One of the questions I get a lot, and I, I would love your perspective on it is, you know, what advice would you give to people who are coming up on their Saturn return with the way the world is now (laughs) and, all of the things we've dealt with in 2020 and, you know, we don't necessarily know how it's going to go. So how do you navigate a Saturn return with everything in place? So especially uh, right now, you know, Saturn is in Capricorn and it's going to be in uh, Aquarius for uh, for the next three years. So whoever that has like Saturn return, they like inherently have strong Saturn. And I believe that that's like a, uh, competitive, like compa- comparative advantage compared to other people uh, who have Saturn in different signs. It's not that like other people can like manifest the great things, but no, right. like some people are more like I think specialized in certain ways. Like yeah, so so for those who are having Saturn return coming coming up, I would advise to apply some moderate level of effort into whatever they want to manifest, like not going too extreme though, because to my understand to my understanding, Saturn is about like being moderate and um, kind of sticking to the norm and creating a healthy habits. I think that's the best approach to yeah. It's definitely it you when when you say moderate, I like that word because I think that Saturn can go off the deep end when it comes to restriction. You know, that whole like um anywhere you'd restrict yourself, diet, you know, um moderation in behavior like not going out, saving money, things like that can be really tempting with yeah. strong Saturn placements. Um so applying that level of ferocity to, yeah. you know, constructive things um I think you know that's that's really good advice um 
but often difficult to keep in mind too when you're dealing with Saturn. Yeah. So let me take my personal example. So as a way of creating a healthy habit, what I did is uh, writing like three pages a day, like, but not going more than that or two pages at least. But the point is to create a habit, like make it consistent and not stressing myself too much. And then uh, uh, it actually became a book. Like I launched my astrology book like during uh, this year when the quarantine season started, that's what I did. And, and so I think that's the power of habits, which Saturn is teaching. So especially for those who are having Saturn return coming up, I think this would be a really great opportunity to create some like sustainable in their life. I like that a lot. Um, I hear a lot about, you know, the power of journaling and writing, especially Mm -hmm. like, I don't know if you're familiar with um, like the artist's way, um, Julia Cameron. Um, So one of her like, I don't want to say advice, but like one of the things she advocates for is she calls it morning pages. So basically you wake up every morning, you sit down and you just write whatever comes into your head. And then you never look at it again because the idea is it's just to clear your mind so that actual creative things can happen. Um, That always felt so like such a waste of time to me personally. Uh Um, So I really love the idea that you took that kind of like that habit building of of writing things down and getting them out of your head, but you turned it into something useful and practical, not just for you, but for other people. Right. Yeah. And then I used to be really a fear, afraid of sharing my perspective. Like Saturn in the fifth house, I used to have a public speaking fear. So what I'm doing right now, like, you know, being more active in social platforms is something I couldn't imagine like several years ago or even a few years ago. So, yeah. That's definitely a big step. And I think that, um, you know, especially with the... Everything has gotten so much more virtual now um, that, in a sense, I think, um, well, it's only going to get more so. Think about we're, we're moving into Saturn and Aquarius. Where better to build these structures than digitally online new frontiers? Um, but, you know, it is it is a good way to kind of ease yourself into what you think you want to do. Um, you know, everything, in a sense, in a sense, nothing is is. Hold on. Let me let me rephrase that. Yeah. Nothing necessarily is erased online. It kind of, you know, can live on forever. But in the other on the other side of that coin, if you're not comfortable with the way that you've begun a project or you, you know, want to revise it, it's much easier to do online than if, you know, you've dived headfirst into a new job or, you know, like anything like that. So, you know, maybe uh, the Internet is the brave new brave new world for, you know, building these structures as we move into this Saturn Aquarius um, and Jupiter will be in Aquarius too. So expand, 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 right? Yes. (laughs) (laughs) And Aquarius, Aquarius rules the internet, you know, online community. So yeah. um, And I, I think it's really interesting that we're going into such strong air placements um, after having been in such strong earth placements for a while as the world, you know, does kind of begin to separate, but also come closer together. Like, I think that, 
Right. Possibly these Aquarius placements are going to be able to hold us together as a community, um, as well as, you know, we have the, the North Node in Gemini right now, which I think is one of our greatest strengths as far as keeping community and closeness um, right. while we go into this more conceptual way of living. Um, Capricorn's been a trip, hasn't it? <laughs> <laughs> it's been very restrictive, yeah, you know, on the different levels, you know. Yeah. Um, so when it comes to, you know, again, this idea of everything having higher and lower expression, things being, um, you know, more or less constructive, destructive, depending on how you apply it. Um, how do you look at like some of the outer planets? I mean, we talked about Saturn, but you know, some of the more generational planets in that way then, um, like Pluto, Uranus, uh, Neptune. So when it comes to Pluto, you know, uh, as a negative expression, it rose destruction, annihilation, and just wiping up everything. But on the positive notes, I see that it's, I see it as a total new beginning and renewal. And it's like, uh, it's like rebuilding new identity. Mm. It's Scorpionic energy as it's the ruler of Scorpio. And I, I love like eight house Scorpio and <laughs> Pluto, by the way. Uh, so, so. It's going to be different depending on the context, but mm -hmm. main core lesson of Pluto on the positive note is regeneration, like recycling. It's mm -hmm. alchemistic, alch alchemical process, like uh, using negative negativity and transform it into positivity. I like that. I always try to describe the eighth house to people as the solve et coagula, that very alchemical boiling down and then oh, bringing it back together. I love um, that. <laughs> <laughs> um, so what do you think? Uh, so we're actually, okay, so we got into this whole Pluto thing and now I'm going to, you know, pick your brain on it. Um, with Pluto having been in Capricorn since 2007, 2008, um, depending on your retrogrades here, um, we've seen a lot of breaking down of structures, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, a lot of, you know, big establishments, you know, government, things like that have really kind of crumbled. Right. What do you think is going to, you know, maybe be the positive side of this as it moves closer to Aquarius? Because it'll be in Aquarius in 2023. So, right. Um, your question is what? Oh, I'm sorry. So, how do you how do you kind of see the um, the positive side of everything that's kind of been going on with some of these more very Plutonian uh, themes lately? So, so, while Pluto has been in Capricorn, the you know deep negative stuff has been surfaced up, and a lot of people have faced it. And now that we know, like we can do something about it. Like versus before, uh, the majority of people might have not even recognize recognize what's really happening behind the scene uh, when it comes to authority figures, government, or all the things uh, represented by Capricorn. It's a lot of things. <laughs> Institution. It is a lot of things. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So even I, um, yeah. I'm sorry. Go ahead. Even though the process might uh, look like very intense and 
you know, Pluto is not Pluto is not an easy planet. <laughs> it's very it can be very intense, but uh, at the same time, because of that experience, we can make a change, make a substantial change. I like that you said. Um, I like that you said something about secrets because I feel like Pluto is also a planet that rules a lot of secrets. Yeah. Um, and I think it's that Scorpio like vibe to it where it's, it's all about kind of bringing things to the surface that you didn't want to look at. Right. Um, so what do you, what do you think could be the next steps as far as like, so when Pluto does move into Aquarius, what do you think we can expect from that? Um, when Pluto enters into Aquarius, we might, we might, uh, experience a lot of structural changes when it comes to, um, like internet or like uh, Aquarius rules a large group of communities. So, you know, okay, let me rephrase my mind. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, for example, um, to me, Aquarius represents the community built upon some sort of humanitarian causes. So mm -hmm. it could be about gender issues or different social classes and they have their own interests and they advocate for what they think is valuable. So, so possibly I feel that there would be uh, power struggles between different groups of people. But at the same time, uh, we can also the, a lot of secrets can come out. <laughs> yeah, I think yeah. I think that there's already and this is something that I've been doing a lot of reading about lately because I, um, you know, I think especially in astrology, it's really important to stay up on, you know, the concepts and the research and things that are being done. Um, and I've been doing a lot of reading about some of these these ends of cycles because we're at this point where there's so many cycles coming to a close and beginning so it's funny that you you I, I keep saying it's funny it's not funny it's it's yeah, but you know what I mean yeah. <laughs> um it's funny that you say like you know, there are so many groups of people where there are power struggles kind of popping up around, you know, who's advocating for whose rights and, you know, the the humanitarian benefits that they want to see. Um, because we're not even there yet. We're not even, you know, these planets aren't even fully there. Saturn had its flirtation with, you know, Aquarius at the beginning of the year. And suddenly the world has erupted with humanitarian causes. Um so it's a little it's a little crazy to think that it could amp up, uh -huh. but it is important to remember. I think that we don't have all the information yet. So as Pluto, especially you know the planet of secrets and you know revelation, moves into this yeah. new sign, things could get a lot more clear. Um, you know, instead of thinking about it breaking down. Right, and ultimately, I believe Pluto gives us liberation. So. Uh, Hopefully, um, a lot of us can experience like new sense of equality or fairness through this uh, transition. I like that. I hope so too. <laughs> um, <laughs> oh, so, there, can I add one more thing? Yeah, yeah. So I think um, when Pluto enters into Aquarius, there could be some sort of significant technological advancements. Can advancement because 
Pluto is about discovery, and Aquarius is a cutting-edge technology. So, I don't know. I can't think of what it is. But I, I, my eyes kind of bugged out there for a second because I've been um, a little bit obsessed with some of the like really fringe technology that's been happening lately. And I say lately, it's been, but like you know, we're just hearing about some of it. Um, and my immediate thought was like. Oh man, as much as I don't want it to happen, I feel like Pluto and Aquarius could finally be the age that, you know, brings us like transhumanism and like, you know, some of these, what is that called? I, there's, um, oh, not unification, the like merger of human consciousness and technology. Um, there's a word for it. Uh, are you talking about like implanting some kind of technical I, device into the body? Or? I mean, that's part of it, I think. Um, yeah. This is an area that I, I have to admit, I don't, I like. don't speak a lot about because I don't like it, you know? <laughs> like, I just want to live in my human body on this earth and yeah. do it well and better. But, you know, uh -huh. um, it doesn't seem like that's the way we're going. <laughs> We will see. <laughs> but yeah, exactly. I, it, it has a lot to do with how we do it. Like, mm -hmm. for example, if there is a person who has debilitated, like part of part of their body, they can uh, get help from like technological help. That's very true. And I, I do think it's important to keep in mind um, that, you know, again, there's higher and lower expression to everything. So not everything is about the power hungry, you know, rich guys that we don't even know their names because they're so powerful, you know, like whatever. It can be about, you know, somebody being able to walk again because, you know, they have the right technology or, you know, whatever it is, there is good applications for it, too. Um, just like we're seeing, I think a lot of good coming out of some of the destruction that's happening now. Yes. Um, so when it comes to vibrating higher or, you know, projecting some of these better qualities, um, what, you yeah. know, what do you think people can kind of do to step into that right now? I think, um, people can, people can step into a higher vibration or good feeling vibes by just simply focusing on what makes them feel good, even if it's trivial thing, it could be like drinking a cup of coffee or you know <laughs> taking a walk. But like these little things are building up and building a momentum to create more positive experience. Yeah, definitely. Um, what about you know? And I. I I think that when you're sensitive, when you're a spiritually minded person, it can be very difficult to focus on good things when, you know, the world seems like it's falling apart. Um, how do you kind of maybe balance some of the fears and, and negative thoughts with higher thoughts? So personally, I stopped watching news <laughs> and that really helped my emotional and physical wellness. Mm -hmm. And it's not about like denying what is happening, but I realize that I don't have to know what is happening, like what all the negative things are happening at every single moment. I can check out the general trends from time to time. So yeah, and I identify myself with empath, like I'm, I'm pretty sure you're familiar with that term. Yeah. Yeah. So I used to struggle with uh, people like... Um, dealing with negative environments and 
And in the past, I was more willing to take more than I'm supposed to because I want to be a help. I want to be helpful for them. But I realized that if when my cup is not full, I can't really contribute to other people anyway. So, so I think it's really about shifting the mindset, like focusing on myself and being selfish is not really bad. I think that's, uh, that term can be changed for, yeah, for the better. I do think that we're kind of trained, especially as, you know, empathetic people. We want to help other people. That's why we feel like we're here. And yet we're the last people to help um, ourselves. So how do you, um, how do you, maybe someone's having a really hard time figuring out what makes them happy or how to help themselves? What do you have any advice for that? Um, So if that person is an introvert by nature, I would highly recommend journaling because like journaling is like talking to your best friend. Like you can let out everything and you can still kept it to yourself. You don't need to show it to anyone. And if that person is extrovert, like be more open to share your innermost feelings. I think the point is let letting your innermost feelings out in mm. any way. Like it could be yeah, sharing it other people or Yeah, being open to letting it go. Right. And I um, think it doesn't have to be journal strictly. It's but somehow it needs to be expressed outwardly instead of containing it and suppressing it. Right. It sounds like it sounds like you've had a lot of really positive journaling experiences, <laughs> um, which is great because you know I think that it is a great tool, especially to help learn yourself. Right. Right. Um. And, uh, yeah. So when it comes to okay, so you said that um, over the quarantine, your your writing practice gave birth yeah. to a book. Yes. <laughs> so it's on rising signs, right? Sorry, uh, it's, it's on rising signs. Yes. So what is your um, what's your take on the rising sign? What's your emphasis on that? Uh, so uh, rising sign for those of you for those people who don't know what rising sign is, it's a sign that's rising on the east horizon at the time of one's birth, and uh. It's it's sitting in the first house, which is all about yourself, your personal identity, physical like physical features as well, and life path in general. So it tells it tells you a lot about yourself, and from there, you know, uh, I I personally follow the whole sign system. So the next sign is the second house. So in that sense, you can have a closer look at how you are wired like according to different segments of your life like second house third house and so on so okay it can it i think it's a really great tool to understand oneself from objective perspective right and especially if you know we're talking about learning how you feel good and learning how you know to yeah. be happy it is important to start with you yeah. right right 
So um, when it comes to the self, I'm quite sure you've seen a lot of it, but it's worth asking. Uh, there's a higher and lower expression of that too, right? Uh, you, you mean when it comes to self? Like yeah. Expressing oneself? Yeah, totally, I think. Yeah, um, and I think that that's actually one of the things that I notice a lot about people is that the rising sign um, mm -hmm. can be a lot of how you come off to other people. And often uh, when I meet somebody that I just like don't get along with or like something about them like totally puts me off, mm -hmm. I usually find out it's that lowest possible expression of yeah. their rising sign that I came face to face with. Mm -hmm. I see. Yeah. So, um, you know, in that way, I think that it's, it's a really great place maybe to start if you are looking at trying to evolve through your chart, starting mm -hmm. with your rising sign. Right. I think so. And, uh, uh, even if like we always shift our vibration all the time, we are never like static. So at one moment we can be high and then go down and, you know, fluctuate. So I think even if we, uh, catch ourselves in a lower vibration that's not something that we need to blame for ourselves because we can always go up <laughs> that's I think totally true um, we just have to catch ourselves while we do it <laughs> <laughs> so uh, are, you, are you working on anything else right now or um... uh, so right now um, actually I like came up with um, Tarot cards, I love tarot, like in addition to journaling, like when I'm working with tarot, it it feels good to me because I feel like I'm leaving my head space and tuning into my intuition, like her space. Mm -hmm. but then, uh, so I started with astrology and it's been quite recent for me to learn about tarot. It's been only a couple of years, but then I got a little bit intimidated by the meanings of 78 different cards so i uh i came up with the words like this like oh okay so for those of you guys just listening um that can't oh. see our screen right now no <laughs> um uh you've got keywords for each card yes. on the card itself so that you can see you know the expression of that meaning Right. And I mainly curated the key phrases that can help me uh, focus on the positive uh, archetypal energy of each tarot card. And uh, yeah, I put astrological signs for each card as well. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I, um, yeah. There's a whole, I mean, there's, tarot is actually what I started with. I started oh. reading tarot when I was like seven years old and it just spiraled out from there. Um, oh. But there are so many astrological tie-ins, you know, to tarot. And especially once you start getting into like the associations with the Golden Dawn and the OTO and all these other like secret society type things, ritual magic, you can spiral totally out of control with like the teeny tiny like this card is venus opposite you know saturn and it's just like uh, that's very specific you know um so you know that's a great way to kind of keep your focus on the message um especially if you're doing tarot as part of like a morning practice or you know something to kind of give you focus throughout the day yeah i like it it's like it's like bullet journal tarot yeah, <laughs> so that's what I've been doing. I've uh, been 
like finding the printing partner to actually make it like a product and yeah i put it on my website so that's great so what is your website where can where can people find you uh, it's called larimarcreative.com. It's L-A-R-I-M-A-R-K-R-I-A-T-I-V-E.com. Cool. And it'll be in the notes for anybody who's listening and just wants to click something. Um, but that way, if you're not looking at the notes, it's there too. And uh, what about social media? Where can people find you there? Uh, it's the same, Larimar Creative. I'm on uh, Instagram, YouTube, Twitter, and pretty much everywhere. <laughs> Spotify, <laughs> iTunes. <laughs> Great. That's fan- it's fantastic. Thank you so much for uh, having this conversation. This was fun. Thank you so much for having me. And that's our show. Thank you so much for listening to Hex and Heal. If you like the show, please take a moment to subscribe and review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or your favorite listening platform. And make sure to follow on Instagram for news on new episodes, projects, and more. You can find me at Fairly Theta. I'll see you again next time. Bye.